From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Thursday, September 28th. As the rangelands of this region change with the warming climate, some ranchers are realizing maybe their breeds of cattle need to change too. Three years ago, the Red family at Dugout Ranch in Indian Creek partnered with the Hornada Experimental Range to study whether a breed of cattle called Rara Murray Criollo might do better than their Red Angus. The Criollo have lived in the Chihuahuan Desert for over 500 years and are adapted to the arid climate. Red Angus, on the other hand, come from the lush, grassy pastures of England. Now, preliminary research shows that the Criollo might have a better chance of surviving here than the Red Angus that the Red family have been rearing for generations. So the idea is that they have a wider diet breadth. They choose more diverse options. This is Sherry Spiegel from the Hornada Experimental Range. Her work looks at everything from the efficiency of an animal on the range to its marketability once it hits grocery stores. The preliminary data is that the Criollo when given the same choice as the Angus, the Criollo ate more forbs or wildflowers than, than the Angus did. They're hoping the Criollo will eat shrubs in larger forage as grass becomes more scarce in the face of drought. We can look at the DNA of what is coming out of the cattle in order to see what plants were going into the, going into the cattle. This is Kari Veblen, professor at Utah State University in the Department of Wildland Resources. She's also a partner on this project with the Nature Conservancy and Dugout Ranch. The herd at Dugout Ranch is a mix of Red Angus, Criollo, and a hybrid of the two. Researchers want to know which plants each breed prefers to eat. This means they have to work with a lot of poop. And to make sure they know which poop comes from which cow, they have to get it straight from the source. So in order to to collect these samples, you do what's called a grab sample, which means you put on a glove and you retrieve it directly from the animal. Another part of their research is looking at how far the different breeds of cattle will travel to find food. Trying to answer this question of, so do they go farther from water? Um, and uh, you know, are they more rugged? And are they able to you know, venture into more difficult terrain in order to find the food they need? And so uh, the main way that we've been doing this is uh, using GPS-enabled collars. We are actually seeing that during some seasons, the Criollo do indeed seem to be traveling a bit farther. Is that a positive or a mm. negative in terms of like yeah. the footprint that the animal has on the land? Yeah, it's such a good question. Yes, yeah, so you get a larger footprint on the land and potentially fewer visits to sensitive points like watering points or really um, delicious patches of grass that might be more sensitive soil. So you that is a potential benefit to soil health and, and, and biodiversity. But then on the flip side, you might be displacing some wildlife that's farther out in the, in the pasture that wouldn't be encountered, that other breeds might not encounter. And then questions about biocrust, which are super important around here for biotic integrity. Spiegel is also looking at the financial trade-offs for ranchers. In what we found in preliminary studies is that costs are overall less because they're feeding less supplemental feed. So again, with rangelands being so variable and the rain coming and going and sometimes drought years, a lot of times ranchers need to supplement with hay or, you know, alfalfa cubes and and protein. And because they're not getting enough nutrition from just the rangeland alone. So what we're finding is with the Criollo, there's less of, you need 
less supplemental feed, which can be a huge cost for ranchers. They're also looking at whether people will want to buy Criollo steaks. We just are finishing up a willingness to pay study. They did a survey starting with 2,000 people across the country and then whittled it down to a smaller number of people who actually got Criollo steaks and were able to grass finish steaks, were able to cook them and taste them. Overall, the the, the results show that consumers are willingness, willing to pay 485 more per pound for Criollo grass-finished beef than for conventional, a conventional counterpart. Another study is measuring how Criollo steaks taste compared to Red Angus. You kind of look for these different notes. So some, one of them might be umami flavor. One of them is more like a grassy flavor. There's like metallic taste. Um, all the beef in that study, none of them hit the really yucky stuff. And then the grass-finished stuff was kind of more in that realm of like what American consumers consider delicious. Um, so that was some, so it was good. So there were, people liked it. I don't know if the typical consumer, I've never tasted it, but I'm just guessing that maybe the typical consumer wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a Criollo and a Red Angus steak. And so is a selling point the fact that there's a lower impact? Is that something that is like helping sales, could help sales? That's definitely part of the marketing strategy. For we, There's a handful of uh, producers who do grass finish, who grass finish Criollo and market it more in like niche market settings, either at the farmer's market or really local supermarkets. And there's certainly a narrative of like the provenance of the genetics and a lighter footprint on the land. And that's what the that's what the consumers go for. But then the repeat customers I've heard come back because they like the flavor. You can find more information about the Criollo cattle research happening at Dugout Ranch in today's show notes. For community college students who study science, opportunities for fieldwork are rare. But one program in Boulder is trying to change that. Every summer, about a dozen students pair with mentors for a nine-week immersive experience studying science in all its forms. In July, Stephanie Melteric, a science writer with the Cooperative Institute for Research and Environmental Sciences at CU Boulder, spent the day with one of these students who spent her summer catching and counting grasshoppers. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, she brings us this report. Salome Carrasco is busy setting up a nylon tent just off a hiking trail at the mouth of El Dorado Canyon State Park. The tent will protect her, dozens of grasshoppers, and her tiny research instrument, a small scale, from the summer wind and sun. This research site is one of three Carrasco and her team of researchers have surveyed nearly every day for the past nine weeks. We are currently setting up the tent and getting stuff ready to be able to collect grasshoppers from different cages. Each cage like has different species from different elevations and they can all be used for different types of experiments. Carrasco was selected for the 2023 Research Experience for Community College Students, or RECS. In May, she finished her associate's degree at Pikes Peak Community College and was eager to continue studying science. The program is run out of series at CU Boulder and offers a nine-week paid summer research experience. Carrasco is working with a team of researchers from different universities on a larger project funded by the National Science Foundation's Rules of Life program. We're trying to see what the effects of climate change are on these ectotherms the grasshoppers, by bringing them to these different elevation sites, 
we're basically speeding up the process of climate change. At the start of the summer, Carrasco and her team spent many days catching two species of grasshoppers that live at different elevations around Boulder. The tiny ectotherms now live in mesh-covered tomato cages at each site. They feed on native plants and small tubes of wheatgrass. After setting up the tent, Carrasco observes a handful of grasshoppers jumping around in a gallon-sized Ziploc bag. They're hopping all over the place. Then it's time to start her daily tasks, weighing each grasshopper. So his mass is 0 0.066 grams. Documenting their age and sex. I suspected a female. <laughs> and then labeling so the adults with non-toxic paint. So because the grasshoppers don't molt after they become adults, we need to be able to easily track them and you know keep track of who they are, what their weight is. We color them. Carrasco delicately reaches inside the bag and cups her hand to capture a single grasshopper. Then she gently pinches them between her fingertips while painting two distinct dots, one orange and one purple. Watching her handle the grasshoppers looks tricky, and I ask if it's taken time to learn how to handle the tiny creatures. Definitely. It's still a struggle for me, too. <laughs> I'm not as good as, as the other people, but they've got lots of experience. Alicia Christensen is the program manager for Rex. This summer, the community college students studied antibiotic resistance, air quality, data visualization, and grasshoppers. She says the experience seemed to be eye-opening for Carrasco. I think she was really excited to get to focus on grasshoppers, you know, kind of took her back to her childhood a little bit. And she believes Carrasco developed an excitement for research. I think she was really fascinated and interested in the research design process, you know, like how they set up kind of this experiment and, and set up a control for the experiment. And we're able to do that out in the field, you know, and not in a lab. In the afternoon, Carrasco hikes up a steep hill to meet three other students at an alpine meadow at 9,500 feet. This is the highest of the three research sites. Today is Carrasco's last day in the field, and on the hike up, she reflects on the nine weeks. She learned how to track and handle grasshoppers in the field. She experienced working with a research team. And while she came into the summer thinking she just wanted to get a bachelor's degree, her advisor had other ideas. He told us, why, why not, you know, why not try to get your doctorate? And I was like, well, because it's going to take too long, and it's probably too much money. Then she told us, oh, well, you know, they pay you, right? I was like, what? They pay us? And I was like, heck yeah, actually. This sounds interesting. While Carrasco isn't certain she'll pursue her PhD, she's taking small steps. This fall, she started working toward a bachelor's degree in ecology and evolutionary biology at CU Boulder. And she hopes she can return to the grasshoppers next summer. I'm Stephanie Maltrich. This story was produced by the Cooperative Institute for Research in Environmental Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 28th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.